Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, hey, welcome to the Get a Grip podcast. Uh, a little different Get a Grip for you uh, this week and kind of going forward. This is Full Swing Tonight with Get a Grip and Scratch. I'm Shane Bacon. You all know Claire Rogers as well from golf.com. You can check Claire out on social media as well at Rogers. You can read the Rogers report that she does weekly on golf.com. One of my favorite people to have alongside me here on the podcast. And Claire, what we're going to do is we're going to spend a little time breaking down the Netflix show that we just consumed. Full Swing, of course. And we're going to go episode by episode. Today is episode one and frenemies. But before we get into frenemies, I wanted to just ask you about when you heard about the Netflix series, how excited you were. Obviously, I know you're you're very close with Dylan DeShare of golf.com as well, who's been a big part of the process and the production of this. But when did you kind of hear about this happening and how excited were you to kind of get to watch it? I think I heard about it whenever they announced it. I didn't have an early, you know, learning about it. Um, definitely at the Genesis last year. I heard about it because I think the, the cameras were there with um, Dan Rappaport. Yep. And I have been very excited just because for two reasons. One, not a lot of my friends outside of the golf world care about golf. And I think this is an awesome way to uh, group together everything I've wanted them to know about it and just, you know, throw it at them in an episode or 10 episodes, how many it is, and get them excited, kind of caught up on the storylines. I think that's awesome. And I just think documentaries are awesome because, you know, growing up, you watch them in school and you see these historians who have dedicated their lives to, you know, studying Shakespeare. And they'll say, you know, he was funny in this way. And now I'm seeing my friends do it, which is so funny, like the commentary <laughs> on golf. So I'm really excited. And the first episode got me more excited. Even the first, you know, three minutes, the intro showing kind of what to expect throughout the series. Like my heart was going, I was ready for it. And I'm very happy that it's here. And it's the best couple of weeks of the year where I feel like everybody in golf is kind of together at the Waste Management, at the Genesis. So I'm feeling good about it. What about you, Shane? Yeah, I mean, a similar timeline. I mean, I'd heard it rumbling. Obviously, I mean, all of this is on the back end of F1 and what we saw with the success of Survive to Drive. And that show was so great and happened at such a great time, obviously, for Netflix, not so much for society. It happened, obviously, during the pandemic. And so we were all looking for stuff to consume. My wife and I consumed it. We got into F1 for a short amount of time. I mean, that is the one thing I do want to talk to you about as we get deeper into this series is how is this going to attach golf fans longer than just watching the Netflix series, right? Are there moments here that you feel like will bring people to watching golf tournaments? Because that's something I've struggled with in terms of F1 is I haven't watched as many races as I thought I was going to watch because obviously watching an F1 race and watching a Netflix show are two totally different things, even if the subject matter is the same. So I think that's something we're going to discuss. We have some segments we're going to get into at the end of all these episodes. It'll be similar, like favorite part of the show and winner of the episode and loser of the episode. But you said getting excited. This this whole episode one opens with this massive preview of what's to come for the season. And you get, you know, clips of Ian Poulter talking about what a crazy year to do this in, obviously with PGA Tour and Liv going on. And something that you felt early into the episode was rumblings of Liv. Because if you remember, Claire, early in 2022, we didn't know Liv was going to be a real thing midway through the season with real names and real players and tournaments and big money. We just thought it was an idea. And they hinted at that as it kind of built up to Rory kind of exploding on the scene at the end of that preview. I think, you know, Ian Poulter said it, you could not have picked a better year to make a documentary on golf. It is 
these storylines are just incredible. And you start to see it in the first episode with interviews of Jordan talking about, you know, these outside leagues kind of coming in. You see Brooks players who ended up going kind of not yet being interested to then eventually we'll see them get interested, obviously, because they end up going. So that's going to be really interesting to watch it unfold for sure. So uh, episode opens Jupe life right out of the gate. I was very excited about that. We got, we got like a, just, just a drone shot of Jupe life where golf happens these days. And then um, something that I'm going to pay a lot of attention to Claire, I pay a lot of attention to this in life in general, but who drives and who rides. And so mm. obviously the episode is frenemies and it's about Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and JT was driving Spieth in shotgun. Just, you know, again, find little things like that. Interesting. That surprised me also because Jordan's a dad. So I just expect that he's going to always have the driver's seat. And, but I don't know who's technically older, who knows. Another thing that I noticed that was a little kind of like that is I will always notice the calluses on Jordan Speed's hands from practicing. When he FaceTimes JT from the parking lot, I'm not looking at the FaceTime. I'm looking at, I don't know how it ends up in the front of his knuckles, you know, but I'm like, there it is again. We always see those things. This is like your veneer thing that you've talked about on the yeah. podcast before, where you can always tell if someone has veneers early. By the way, I do need veneer watch from you throughout these episodes. So For if sure. someone pops up that you really can tell have got teeth replacements, I need you to shout that out. Um, but yeah, JT driving, and obviously this episode's whole buildup and, and entire ethos was about this relationship between Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth and how successful they've been when they were younger. And part of the segments later, we're going to talk about things you learned. I think a good reminder to people that don't know much about golf or understand a lot about golf is, you know, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas are quote unquote equals now. And I think some would even give the edge to JT in terms of the talent in 2023, in terms of professional golf. But JT was this guy that was chasing Jordan Spieth throughout his life. You know, I mean, this, this is a guy that in the NCAAs, I mean, Jordan's asking for Justin Thomas, right? I mean, they, they really have battled it out in so many instances and in so many situations yet they're best friends. This is a guy that's his best man in his wedding. You know, you obviously saw the phone call you mentioned with the calluses when he was talking about best man speeches. So I thought they did a good job of setting up that relationship and reminding everyone that when you're a professional athlete, you see these people throughout every walk of your life. You see them as a 10 year old, a 15 year old, a 20 year old, and now near 30, they are always going to be facing off and they're always going to be battling outside of the friendship. Yes. And those who follow golf closely have seen that photo of JT and Jordan at a junior golf event where the they're kind of photo. perched up under yes. a leaderboard. And if that hadn't made it in there, it really had to. And then there was another one of them. I think they were wearing gray or something, but that just shows, yeah. And JT is an only child. So this has been a brother to him truly yes. throughout his entire Great life, point. which is, is crazy to watch them. And I thought Sean Foley did an awesome job of kind of explaining the trajectory of them where Jordan kind of just skyrocketed and JT is taking a little longer, but now with the second major, they're equals on the course. So in, in theory, I mean, you talk about equals somebody also that I found crazy Claire. if I had called you five years ago and said, Hey, they're going to make a Netflix show about the PGA tour. And you'd have been like, oh, man, that sounds awesome. And I just said, Ricky Fowler was introduced, slugged <laughs> out as world number 146 under his name. Not a Ricky Fowler episode or he's headlining the whole show, which we would have thought five years ago. He had this lonely little line under his name about world 146, obviously talking about Jordan Spieth and JT. I did like it in a way, though, because it reminds us of how quickly this stuff can go away. I mean, Jordan Spieth went through this a couple of years ago with his golf game when he just basically lost his ability to play and he was dropping well down the world rankings. And now we've seen that with players like Ricky Fowler, but you know, Ricky jumping in there and talking about that relationship. And then we getting a throwback to SPK 
uh, 16. I mean, we got a lot of like old meme stuff from early Twitter days. The Snapchat videos that they took, yes. and, you know, the nine by 16 yeah. and it's blurry because, you know, Snapchat was in its early days back then, <laughs> but it is crazy. That's something I've also just can't barely wrap my mind around when I'm writing a recap of a week. It's so hard for me to say, okay, here are five things I want to focus on. And although I've only seen the first episode, it's crazy that the Netflix people were able to just summarize this so well and get exact sound bites from these very specific moments and throw it all together. It's, I just can't even wrap my mind around how well, at least in the first episode, they were able to do that. A uh, golf nerdy thing. Yes. Episode one starts with the RBC heritage. Now for people that aren't deep divey golf people, <laughs> the RBC heritage is an event that happens the week after the masters. So you're thinking about, you know, waste management and you're thinking about Riviera and Tory Pines and Pebble. And I can only imagine we're going to bounce back and forth as we get deeper in the episode, something Claire and I both did is we're watching episode and then recording, watching an episode and then recording. So we don't get blurred by episode one over four and over six and over two. So maybe they'll go back to Phoenix, but I was really shocked, I guess that it started with the heritage and I just watched the tennis, you know, series on Netflix and it starts in Melbourne. And I'm like, yeah, of course it starts in Melbourne. That's when the tennis season starts. And for this to start in April, they were obviously trying to get a Jordan Spieth win in there, but it threw me off a bit when I saw heritage out of the gate. Right. I, should this have started in Hawaii? I don't know, but I do think it's great to start out with a friendship. I think that'll get people who don't really care about golf, but want to watch this, I think kind of interested. And now they have these characters, but I think if you're walking away from it, and you don't know golf, you're coming away and being like, okay, JT is the guy I want to follow. Spieth is great, but they it was a JT episode, I think, more than a Spieth episode because we got that win out of him. Yeah, you get the, you get the JT major, obviously, and that being you yeah. know the, the big win of his basically since 2017. I mean, I think they did a good job of kind of laying out the careers to your point with John Foley talking about Spieth bursting on the scene and winning. I mean, I remember having dinner with Justin Thomas in Phoenix years ago, and I think he'd won one CIMB, and he was a guy that could walk into – you know, any restaurant, any store, and nobody knew who he was, just looked like a young guy. And now he's getting noticed walking out of a CVS after he's buying allergy medication, which I'm sure we'll get into the CVS part here in a bit. But what were your big kind of takeaways out of the gate? Because it was a setup. It was talking about the friendship. They were flying. I think they were drinking beer on the flight. I think those were like, you know, underground IPA cans. I couldn't quite tell. I rewound it a couple times. Yeah. But, you know, the whole setup was, I want to beat this guy, but this guy's my best friend, and he's been my best friend forever. I loved it. And I liked, I know towards the end of the episode, it goes back to the first, uh, JT was asked, would you rather beat your best friends right. or win? They said, I rather win. Cause that means I also beat my best friends, which I thought was just a great line, but it was cool because again, we see them on the course. We've started to see on Instagram behind the scenes prep and stuff, but we never get to see what it's like on the private jet, just kind of kicking back Mike Thomas in the back, they're playing cards. It's cool to see just the human side of them when they're not, you know, I mean, they are on camera because Netflix is there, but when they're not performing, when they're not on their best behavior in the media center, getting asked questions about the state of their game, what they're working on, their practice swings before hitting, if they've changed that. But I just like seeing them in their natural state as friends. Just watching pals be pals, even if they're multimillionaires yeah. and also pals betting. I, I love the betting aspect of this. And you brought up a little bit of it, you know, flipping a card for a thousand bucks. And then of course they go to Southern Hills for practice round and they're playing $100, $200 hammer game uh, that they're playing against each other. So I looked this up, Claire, because I was interested. Okay. So, you know, they're playing a $100, $200 game. Somebody might lose 500 bucks. They might lose a thousand if they get smoked, right? A lot of money to you yeah. and me, not any money to Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. 
Take a wild guess where these guys are on the all-time money earning list. Again, these are guys that are similar age, have played competitive golf their entire lives together, and now are best buddies on the PGA Tours, two of the best players in the world. Do you have any idea where they'd be on the all-time money earning list? Is this scaled? Like, obviously, no, players this is, 50 years ago. This is just okay. everybody, how much money you've made. So, I mean, you know, like a Jack Nicklaus didn't make in this list anymore because obviously the amount of money he made versus what the guys are making now. Even like pre-live, I think DJ was like 15 maybe. So I would say somewhere between 20 and 30 for these guys. I kind of had it. I thought I was close to 15 as well was kind of my thought, Claire. I thought it'd be similar. Jordan Spieth is eighth all-time in earnings on the PGA Tour. $53 million in change. JT is ninth. So JT is right behind Jordan Spieth, best buddies and all that. And they're eighth and ninth in the all-time earning list. JT's made uh, just a cool $51 million on the PGA Tour. And despite all of that money, and then you've got to think it's been at least double in terms of sponsorship, they still that, want yeah, their buddies. Yeah, I think I was thinking of that. Money, you know, like they still want their buddies two or 300 bucks. And we joke so much about it, you know, money earned versus money made and won. But when you go to Vegas and you leave with 500 bucks or $1,000, it's so much different than just getting it direct deposited in your account. And you can see that with these guys as well. Yeah, and JT, he said, you know, it's the worst feeling, you know, handing money over to your friend and you're waiting till the next time you play together. Um, and I think that adds a really fun asset of the series because we we don't talk about that with the PGA Tour. It's not, it's kind of a hush-hush thing. We've even seen with right. Phil in the past. You don't talk about it. And to see it happening, I was almost like, oh my God, I'm, I'm not supposed to be seeing this, which is, <laughs> I wonder how many times I'll have that feeling throughout because, you know, we don't see tour video that we can capture and then reshow places. It's owned. but to see it on Netflix, it's all, it's, I'm kind of like, oh my God, it's this thing that I'm not supposed to see, but I get to, they kind of peel back, back the curtain on so much stuff. So I'm only one episode in, of course. Yeah, Claire, they, they brought Chick-fil-A on the flight, made me really jealous. Obviously flying private seems like maybe the best, you know, perk of being rich and famous, but then on top of that, you bring your own food on an airplane. I was, I wanted to ask you, what do you think your staple would be? You know, like you're flying week to week on a private plane. What do you feel like if you kind of scaled it out at the end of the year? What do you think you would have brought on the most? Food. Let's see. I probably, you know what I would do? Like Shake Shack. Mm. I'm in a Shake Shack, but I also think I would feel horrible if I did that every week. <laughs> so maybe I'm a big sandwich girl. Just get me a, a thick sandwich and a bag of chips and I'll be good to go. Probably would be that. What about you? Well, I was thinking Chick-fil-A and I was actually interested. I'm assuming Chick-fil-A is not that popular because a lot of guys are flying home on Sunday and it wouldn't be open on a Sunday. So you're really missing one of the key flying days in terms of grub. Uh, Chick-fil-A would be very high on mine. I feel like Chipotle Bowl mm -hmm. would probably be relatively popular. You can get it. You can package it relatively easy and get it on the flight. I'm also a sandwich person. Pop belly, sign me up. Let's go. I could I could take the wreck on a flight and be dialed, but really any sandwich. But I think, again, buying food at an airport and carrying it on a plane versus literally driving through Chick-fil-A and then driving <laughs> to the airport and carrying it on a flight is just a little bit different because I feel guilty on planes eating. Like, if I'm eating full food, I feel guilty for the people around me. No, same. And I'm always asking, does anyone have a nut allergy before I open this up? I feel so bad. And you're already down like 40 bucks yes. because of the, everything's so expensive. I'm getting a bottle of water and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to expense this. I just blew half my paycheck on it. But 
Um, yeah, it's just such a different experience. And, you know, the security situation where you're lugging all your stuff, you're weighing your bags. They just get to walk right on, which is an, a totally different experience from what you and I oh, have. God, so. A little different travel time. I'm, I'm flying out tomorrow morning on a little golf trip, and I'm already dreading, like, taking my golf clubs from where I'm parking up the elevator through JFK. Um, not not exactly going to be winded. carried. You're winded. You're sweaty. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm already exhausted. <laughs> it's cold, and I'm sweaty and smelly, and it's like 8 in the morning. Um, a few other uh, things that I – observed and liked um one of the things and i think this is going to be something i'm going to pay a lot of attention to throughout these episodes now when they show the videos of the young golfer was they were showing those cute videos of jt as a kid and jt in one of the videos he's wearing a big old nike hat and i just i was looking at how many little odes or nods to tiger popped up in those videos and i saw two from jt one was the nike hat he was wearing and the other one there was a there was a photo of Jordan Speed and JT standing next to each other and JT had the mock turtle on I mean these are all inspired by Tiger Woods right yeah for sure that is really cool I'll kind of have to look through that lens going forward something that I really liked is the graphics and I honestly think the broadcast could learn from what Netflix did here because you know hole 13 is big and bold I thought they ex- it is so beginner friendly it's okay, here's what and Amanda Balionis did an amazing job with this. Here's how long a golf tournament is. Here's why Saturday's important. Right. Here's what the majors mean. They did such a good job. And then when they, uh, at the PGA championship with the leaderboard, instead of just changing it, you can see JT climbing the leaderboard. It kind of, there's an effect there. So I think they did an awesome job. And then how much money it said, like each player made at the end of just little things like that. Money. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that down, Claire. The money thing was great. You already mentioned it earlier. It's like money used to be, if you go back and dive into like the SI vault or go read old New York time articles, how much these golfers won in these tournaments was in the first graph of every article. You know, they would say Mm. they won the golf tournament and how much money they won, $112,000. I loved also kind of the juxtaposition of how much you win if you win the golf tournament. I think at the Heritage, you know, Spieth had like 1.4 million bucks and JT had a fine week. He finished, made the cut, you know, finished top 40, but he made $35,000. And I think explaining that, wow, $35,000 is a ton of money to make in one week. It's not $1.4 million. And it's also so again, if you're just getting into the series or you don't know a ton about professional golf, it's showing you the difference in a great week, an epic week, and an okay week for these types of players. Right. And then JT said, okay, he's seven shots back. He has a 1.2% chance too. of winning, which is something that, again, put it into perspective where for me, you see, okay, seven shots is insane, but it's JT. Putting it into a percentage that any, you know, that's a universal language, insane. It was really cool to see. And I'm excited to see all those like little pieces of information that I've never really put together just for me on the screen throughout it. So, uh, the posters at Joey D's gym, um, was a big, big part of something I loved. I some again, it's something that if I walked into that gym, I would notice it and not think anything of it. Right. You know, you might even make fun of it. You might even think it's silly that they've got all these posters next to each other about DJ's accomplishments and Justin's accomplishment. But the little note JT said about having to do abs and look at DJ's poster at the entire workout in 2020 about being the number one ranked golfer in the world. And then thinking to himself, I need to add more posters. One of the few whiffs I felt like in this episode was I thought it would have been cool at the end of the episode to revisit the gym and show the poster from the PGA championship win, because obviously it would have been made, but I love just, again, I love those little motivational tools from these guys. You know, it's, it's not a lot, but it's something to think about while you're in the gym trying to work out. Yes. And then speaking of the gym, when they go, was it at 
the RBC Heritage? Yeah. No, I think it was at whatever. When they're always like, yeah, yeah, Rory's in the gym, Speed's in the gym, JT. Can you imagine, again, like other sports, the Red Sox are not going to work out with the Yankees after a game. You know, it is insane to see these guys who just want to beat each other you know, doing abs next to each other, getting a couple steps in on the treadmill. And then I also noticed, of course, Jordan's working out in his collared shirt. Oh, which I wrote is- it down, Claire. <laughs> I wrote it down. It was one of my favorite things of the episode. Rory's got full-on workout gear. JT's <laughs> got full-on workout gear. And Jordan freaking Speed is working out in the golf shirt. Such a dad move. Is it a Texas thing, though? Because Scotty Scheffler does it, too. Did you know that? In a golf shirt? Oh, yeah. I follow his uh, trainer on Instagram. He works with Ryan Palmer too. And he's always got a college shirt and gym shorts. It's a great look. Oh goodness. I, that, the working out thing was so great. And, you know, I mean, people talk about this with tennis a lot where, you know, you're going out on court and it's, you know, Federer, Nadal, and it's the Aussie open final and they have to warm up together. You know, they're hitting balls back and forth with each other to warm up. And, you know, the same thing is your Red Sox-Yankees analogy is great. They're not going to the gym after and working out. Uh, this past year, I got an opportunity to host the Zozo Championship in Japan. And they have a host hotel there for all the players. And normally on these international trips, it's a little bit different than a domestic trip where they might get houses or rentals and things like that. Most of the players stay at the host hotel. And I would go down in the morning to the gym. Hideki would be down there working out, you know, you'd look to the right and it would be, you know, Sam Saunders would be doing the elliptical, you know, and you look to the left (laughs) and Brian Harmon's doing abs. And it was just such a funny thing. And I almost feel like the tour could lean into like the gym cam to their trailer and just have like a feed every day. Like, what are these dudes doing? You know, because I would just have an open tab of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Bannon Dunes has a camera like that always shows the weather there that's live all the time. I would be totally in on a workout trailer 24 seven video of what's going on with the tour guys. For sure. I totally agree. That would be incredible. We got to email someone after this. We'll just say, hey, we've got this million dollar idea. And here's what we're- <laughs> there'll, there'll be 72 people will watch this feed max. That's the maximum amount of people that you can get. But can you sell it to a sponsor? I think it would work. We'll talk to our <laughs> buddies at Scratch on the back end and see uh, what they're thinking. Uh, Claire, I want your thoughts on the whole CVS experience with JT. Just the entire loved it. Not feeling good going to CVS, that whole thing. So I had forgotten, or maybe I didn't know that he, like his voice, he wasn't well that week. I had forgotten. I wonder if they had to logistically be like, all right, we're going to come in and film everybody clear out because you would imagine that more people besides that guy just come when he said, Hey, Justin, great to see you. Good luck this week would have recognized him. But I did love this just like the little, oh shoot, his card's not working. And like the worst noise in the world when you're ready to get out of CVS is like, eh, card error <laughs> and it's just like okay these little things happen to everyone it doesn't matter who you are um but yeah him roaming the aisles and you can hear the pharmacy going on in the background I also wondered does he is he usually the one going to CVS do you think somebody goes for him usually during those weeks and they kind of wanted to I don't know I, what do you I, think I I think years ago I thought that people that were this famous were more likely to have somebody go do that for them. And I don't think yes. that's the case anymore. I think these guys on a, on a week-to-week basis, outside of Tiger and probably Phil, yes. I think these guys are probably going to CVS on their own accord. You know, I just, they're okay. probably filling up gas themselves. Maybe somebody else is getting them food or they have a cook that's obviously making them food, as they said, when he drove by a chef. But I think 
those little air any things, I could see those guys actually going in there. I So, Claire, one thing that I probably pay too much attention to in my life uh, that I wish I didn't pay as, enough attention to, when I play golf with people, I always know where everybody's at in terms of their score. Again, I wish I didn't know that. I wish I didn't have that in my head. But I can always tell you where you sit, especially in a tournament. I always That's know. That's why we can't play together. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's just always up here. I just hate it. I wish, again, I wish I could focus a little <laughs> bit more on what I'm doing. I always know if you have your golf glove in your back pocket post-round. So if we go to lunch or if you're at the bar, I can always notice that. Ugh. And I'm leading all this to this. One thing media members do far too often, and I'd say caddies do this as well, is they leave their credential on for far <laughs> too long. So that credential will stay on their neck as they go to dinner, as they go to the bar after, <laughs> when they're walking into their hotel room. JT. They just wear it in the shower. <laughs> they, they just never take it off. JT had his credential on walking into CVS, and then the next cut, he'd taken it off. So you could tell somebody was like, yo, your credential's on. So he ripped it off. But even top 10 golfer in the world is rocking the credential going into CVS after the round. So even they can run into that issue. I will say, because I do that, I don't think I wear it to dinner. Maybe I do. <laughs> I just misplace things when I'm on the road. Like it's my job. I'm like, is it in the car? Is it in my backpack? If it is on me, I know that I cannot lose it, but I know I can't really defend it because you look like such a loser. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. I mean, like every time you go to dinner, if you're at an event and there are seven or eight buddies meeting for dinner and they're all in the golf space, inevitably one of them will show up at the credential line and you're like, who's going to say it? Who's going to say it? And it's yeah. always me. Hey man. Sick like, dude. Do you work in golf? <laughs> yeah. You don't need the range access here at Chipotle. You can take that off. It's fine. We're good to go. Um, <laughs> but I, I did, I did notice that um, from JT. Uh, obviously they, they had the speed win at the RBC Heritage, which I thought was smart to set that up. I'm always shocked by the tartan jacket. Like, it's always shocking to see that many men standing next to each other with a tartan jacket on. You're like, did you guys lose a bet or something? Um, and then also, like, when does he wear that jacket? You know, because he, he won a green jacket at Augusta. Now, he doesn't get to have that at his house, but right. maybe he has a replica or something. I, I just feel like, that, no knock to the RBC, I love that event, but I just don't feel like the tartan's getting a lot of play. Right. Maybe Christmas Eve oh, nice dinner, call. you could, could wear you it. Could you wear it to church on Christmas Eve or is that too much? No, I think you could. I think you could because grandpa like there are grandfathers, 70 year olds wearing that type of thing. So they might like to see a young guy rock it too. Um, but yeah, it is a nice little thing because you can't have the green jacket. You wouldn't want to win the masters and then go on into win the RBC heritage. Cause then it is definitely not getting warm because they have the green jacket. You get the green jacket for a year. <laughs> you know, if you remember when Spieth won in 15, he went to RBC. He was like, he, he'd signed up for the event. He didn't pull out and he shot something stupid in the first round, like 65. You're like, this dude's going to go jacket, jacket. He's going to win. He's going to have the jacket slam. Like, <laughs> I think you get one at the at the Travelers maybe as well. We should do that one year. It's like, what's the jacket slam? Yes, for sure. There's an LPGA jacket. I forget which event it is, but it's like bright blue. Got to look into that as well. Tough for Speed to win there, but you know, you know, I mean. Yeah, yeah, but just in terms of jackets, it's a good one. Maybe if you <laughs> win all the ones on the PGA Tour, they send you an honorary one from the LPGA. That's like the, the bright blue <laughs> one. Um, I love the CVS part. Um, I love seeing kind of the reminding myself of of how silly Jordan Speed's short game is when it's dialed. Um, I love the practice round and just seeing them kind of go back and forth. 
And uh, always a little a little inside knowledge thing for golf people is when these big-time players with big-time caddies go to play practice rounds at courses when it's not a tournament week, they're most likely going to take a club caddy for the tour bag and let Bones or whomever just walk. Um, so you did see a random caddy uh, in there for a bit. But, you know, that that's kind of my initial takeaways. If you're good, I'd love to jump into some segments and, and talk to you about um, just some of the stuff we've written down for things we liked and winners and all that stuff. Yes. First thing I want to start with, favorite part of the show. I'll let you kick us off. All right. Um, Mike Thomas opening up about parenting JT and talking about his own dad. My favorite quote he said was, it's called the game of golf, not the work of golf. I really liked that because, you again, you get the human side. And he talks about what it was like also growing up in the golf world and what he wanted to do different for JT. I loved that. And I also think Mike was the MVP of the episode. He We learned about him. He's obviously very wise. It, the way he got emotional after his win, he says, that's why we work hard. That's why we don't give up. I just loved it. What about you? I mean, I, I think you, it almost like you had seen my notes. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote down my favorite part of the show was the JT getting all those credit cards declined and then him having cash <laughs> in his hand as he walked out of the CVS. So you could tell that he'd gotten to the point where he just paid cash for all that allergy medication, which was amazing. Didn't see the CVS receipt. Would have loved to see, you know, the, the lengthy scroll of a CVS receipt on the camera. Didn't get that. But yeah, I mean, I just, I loved the Mike Thomas stuff so much. I mean, I loved at the end um, when he knelt down next to him, you know, after the win, it was just dad and son. Um, it was just such a sweet moment. You said it when he said, that's why you never give up. Right. I just, I, I ate that up. I mean, you know, JT talked about it throughout the episode and you saw the struggles that he went through in that third round and the weather. I loved like the little whispers to himself when he said, come on, Jay, and come on, let's go. I, I've thought a lot about this, Claire. I mean, I've got kids and you don't. I've thought a lot about how I'm going to be as a parent when Henry and Charlotte start playing sports. And, you know, I've, I've said I'm never going to be the, the yelling parent on the sideline, right? Like, you can't be that guy. Um, am I going to be really involved? Am I going to be coachy, you know, away from the game? I don't know. We'll see. But I would love to be like Mike Thomas. Like, that's what I've taken away from this episode is if I can be like JT's dad with my kids and talk about, you know, love of the game and how fun it is. And he's so patient and he's so, you know, he just seems, he just seems like such a great presence to have around you when you're going through stuff. Even when JT was on the range, you could see he was really struggling. I loved all of the Mike stuff. And I almost feel like in a weird way, this episode could have been Mike and JT, and it might have even played better than Jordan and JT. Agreed. It says so much that the first person to hug JT wasn't his fiance, and no respect right. to the fiance, but it was his dad. And they just have this incredible relationship. And Mike's ability, we talk about players' abilities to go from the course to home, but Mike's ability to go from coach to dad of this world-class player is just insane. And as you said, at night on the range, he's getting frustrated it's time to just stay positive and give them these, you know, good thoughts going into the next day. It was so awesome to watch. I am a huge fan of Mike Thomas after this episode. And no surprise here, Claire, my winner of the episode, Mike Thomas, just loved it. Like we said, the, the home videos, the measurements in the back room, um, just the presence, everything we've already said. He's my winner of this episode, episode one frenemies. The winner goes to JT's father, Mike Thomas, who is your winner? Also Mike Thomas, but my MVP was Amanda Balionis-Renner because she explained golf in a way that someone who has never picked up a club or watched golf will understand it. And I think it takes a special kind of person to do that when you're so inside golf. I thought she did an amazing job. Um, all right. So then we're going to transition to slightly more negative. 
Um, who is who is your loser of the episode? Uh, the episode name. Frenemies. Didn't love it? Well, and I don't like to present a problem without a solution, and I don't know what else I would have called it. But I just think, I don't want to say tacky. I just, if you're going to watch it in 10 years, I want it to be kind of a timeless thing. And that feels a little online and modern and like TikTok-y almost, if that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, but I think it was fine. Um, so what about you? Uh, Mito Pereira. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, I love Mito, but that's a tough edit. That's a tough cut for him. Um, they dip into the guy and, and he hits the, the worst swing of the entire year in golf. Literally the worst golf swing that we <laughs> will remember from all of 2020 is like the lone appearance of this guy who played basically 71 epic holes and was a <laughs> hole away from winning a major championship out of absolutely nowhere. And for the people that aren't big golf people, the PGA championship was pretty sleepy this year. It was a real big dud up until like the last, I don't know, seven holes. Yeah. They did a great job of making it feel very exciting. It was not that exciting. Rory got off to a great start on Thursday and then didn't follow it up. JT, as you saw, played pretty sloppy on Saturday. And it looked like it was going to be Mito Pereira winning it. And we hadn't had a, a quote unquote, no name major winner in a long time, but just the edit. I mean, again, you're showing this guy hit that, that hockey style cut. Like you forget how <laughs> short the follow through was on that golf swing. Oh man. And Colt feeding it. Yeah. The Colts <laughs> giving the play by play, by the way, that was one of my favorite parts of the episode was JT asking Colt for a, do you have a, do you have a monitor? And then they, they did a great job of cutting that. I thought Netflix did. And Chad was showing like Colt passing along the information, showing the shot that happened going back to JT on the driving range. I thought that was uh that was very well done in terms of TV production. Um, what about, what about golf things that need more of an explanation? Did you have anything in this episode? I had, well, two things. One was um, you texted me about it, the RBC to the PGA championship, just kind of the jump around, I think might be confusing for golf fans, but whatever. Um, needs a little bit more explanation kind of goes in that Zalatoris in the playoff. I think we could have said, Listen, this isn't just a random guy. Like, I get that the focus was on, you know, JT, but Zelda Torres has shown up in majors again right. and again. It was not given to JT. I think we could have learned who is this guy. He performed so well at Augusta. So I think hopefully we get to see a little bit more of him in the series. Um, but that would be something that I would have liked just going into the playoff to give even more context of how crazy that win was. What did you have for that? Yeah, the, the one thing I had in terms of this uh, golf thing needs a little bit more explanation is for people that aren't big golf people was, um, I think it was Amanda that kind of explained the playoff um, for the PGA Championship. You know, that was a PGA Championship specific playoff format. Mm -hmm. Most playoffs, like 99.8% of golf playoffs are sudden death hole by hole. So just, just in terms of what the PGA championship playoff looks like versus an everyday PGA tour event are very different. And I just didn't want people that aren't golf people to think that every playoff is three hole aggregate or whatever. I mean, that's obviously not the case in most events, even with major championships. So that was the one thing um, that, that, yeah, I noticed you, you, you know, you mentioned the Zalatoris thing. I think they said a former number one amateur in the world, but to your okay, point, yeah. I mean, this is a guy that, that had almost won multiple major championships early in his career. And he's basically on the same trajectory as someone like Justin Thomas was on. And I feel like you could have even said something like this, like this is the next Justin Thomas. Is this Will Zalatoris yeah. guy trying to win his 2017 PGA like JT did? I'm with you a bit on that. Um, I also wish they'd have paid off the, 
the JT birdie putt on 18 in regulation. You know, they showed the approach. Yeah. And he was kind of eyeing it. He's like, be right. And he was so intense about that shot. And then all you saw him was tap in for par. Because again, in theory, if he makes that birdie putt, he wins the PGA championship. He don't right. play off. Um, all right. What's something Claire learned? What did you learn? Um, so I know nothing about money games, gambling, sports betting. Uh, I learned about a hammer game, double money. I like, again, how they have those graphics because to me, I'm a beginner in that as well. So now I can walk away saying I know what a hammer game is, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm assuming there's going to be things as we progress through this that we will learn more about some of these players and their personalities and even the internal battles they went through in 2022 with Liv versus the PGA Tour, getting into like the Ian Poulters and the Kepkas. I don't think I learned a ton on this episode that I didn't already know. Um, I think just for me, it was a good reminder early in the episode of how far behind Spieth JT was in those first few years on tour because Spieth's rise was, was, you know, something we hadn't seen in like 98 years. You know, he won the John Deere, I think as a 19 year old, that had been 98 years or a hundred years since somebody had won on the PGA tour at that age. And so to just remind me at times, Jordan Spieth's trajectory early and what JT has done on the back end in terms of the second part of this early run of his career, um, to catch up to Jordan. I think both have been so impressive early for Jordan and late for JT. So that was just a good reminder. Um, what's something that you maybe have changed your mind on after episode one? So I was looking for something about this, but I think it more just reiterated something for me. Obviously, I do not have what it takes to be a professional golfer, which we knew, but I don't even have what it takes to live the life of a professional golfer. <laughs> um, the prep, the travel, the recovery, they showed JT signing autographs after winning. It was dark out, getting live updates from Colts. It is stressful and it is exhausting. I'm on the road for two weeks and I am prepping for a week of just being horizontal when I get home. It is really difficult. And I think this showed it. The gym, the, you know, JT getting stretched out. There's just, you don't have downtime. Even on the flight to the practice round, they're talking about, all right, what do we know about this course? What's changed since the last time we were there as junior golfers? So much stuff. So couldn't do it. Couldn't live the life. I think, I think it's a good point because we see these people in our lives for four or five hour runs, you know, and especially when you think about the way we broadcast golf, you're going to see Jordan on Thursday in the window there. You're probably not going to see him on Friday because maybe you're not a, a you know, a PJ tour live or your ESPN plus person. And if you are, maybe you're diving in early and you're missing some of the late golf. And then you're seeing Jordan or Justin compete and really contend two, three, four times a year. And so when we see these people, it's so short. I think about this a lot in terms of injury recovery. You know, you mm -hmm. watch like a, a Kevin Durant injury or let's talk about Clay Thompson, right? You see Clay Thompson go through this horrific injury on the court. And then you think about Clay and you see him on the sidelines and they talk about recovery and they talk about what the Warriors are going to look like when he's back. But it's like a year and a half, you know, and like, right. we don't see any of what life's like because when you're injured and you broke a leg or your ACLs ripped or you're having to have surgery on something, life day to day sucks. And to oh, your yeah. point, the life here isn't necessarily glamorous outside of winning and getting the money and flying private because you're just constantly on and you're constantly doing things. And I thought it was a good glimpse into that. It's a reminder that being a pro golfer is not five hours. Right. And even Justin said after the win, he was like, man, I wish it was slower. That just ended so yes. those huge moments. All right. Time to go home now. I mean, it's a great moment and you celebrate, but 
the great parts are the snap of the finger and the rest of it is working for those great moments, which is 99% of it. Yeah. I mean, 2017, they brought up the PGA championship 2017 and then you go to 2022 and JT sitting there talking about how I haven't won another one. And in my mind, I'm thinking it wasn't that long ago, but all of a sudden it's been five years, you know, and you go, it's been five years. And then, you know, we've talked so much about Roy McIlroy and how long it's been since he won a major championship. And you don't, and it, and it doesn't really compute in your brain because you see him compete and contend in these big tournaments, but he's not winning them. And so, yeah, I'm sure when it's over, because when you're in the, in the competitive mode, when you're in the ropes, you know, I mean, I've, I've played way lesser competitive golf than these guys, but I've played my fair share of competitive golf. And when it's going well, you're rolling, but you're also trying to get to the finish line. And mm -hmm. so you kind of, in a way, want it to be over quickly. And then when it's over, all you can think about is how much you wish that feeling would last longer. And that's what people keep going back to. I remember talking to Max Home about this. Uh, what was it? Was it maybe it was the players last year? It was some big event. Maybe it was Bay Hill a couple of years ago, but he got in contention late. And it was, it was one of the first times he'd really been in contention at one of the big marquee PGA Tour events late in his career. And I remember him saying, all I want is that feeling again, you know? And so, you know, you're in it and you're, you're trying to finish it off and you're trying to birdie it and you're trying to get the win, but all you're hoping for is that feeling once again. And uh, it's just so interesting. And to your point, Claire, that's why they're, you know, competitive golfers and some of the best athletes in the world. And uh, most of us are not, you know, <laughs> exactly. Um, I changed my mind on Mike Thomas. Um, I've always liked Mike fine. I, I gotta be honest. I've been cynical at times a little bit about just simply like the hovering and coaching. Um, and I remember we went through a phase maybe a year and a half ago or something. JT needed a new set of eyes mm -hmm. on him and his golf game. That was a big thing on social media. Um, I just, this was a big win for Mike. And now I completely understand that relationship even more. And I respect the hell out of that relationship. And again, being a dad, I cannot even comprehend how you could kind of let, like balance those two things between dad and coach and understand when to be one versus the other. So my respect level for Mike Thomas went way up and it was already relatively high. Yeah, he's the best. I hope I see him this week at some point. And it's just, I don't know. And I wonder, you know, parents of players on the, on tour even who don't have that, but Mike does. So it's very special. I don't think that that's how all parent-child relationships look like in professional sports. So, JT, you're very lucky. <laughs> very, very lucky. Mike looks awesome. All right, last segment for episode one. What do you think average golf fans are going to get out of this episode, Claire? So I kind of was viewing this from the lens of, like, my sister, who has absorbed a lot of golf information because she's around me but doesn't particularly care to watch. Like, she maybe tunes in late Sunday on the majors, but doesn't care to know, you know, what Bo Hosser shot on Thursday at the Felspar championship. This is going to kind of just take out the big moments for you. And so maybe they'll say, Oh, uh, you know, I know there's a Joel Damon episode or this one. Okay. JT, I didn't know much about him, but now he's leading this event, you know, maybe six months from now. I know he has that cool relationship with his dad. So now I'm going to tune in. So I think the storyline of friendship and parent-child relationships, just seeing that is going to make beginner people who are just being introduced to the game care a little bit more about it. And again, the basic knowledge of now they can say, Amanda, explain perfectly what this, this, and this means. Now I can watch and not feel like I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I, I think I took away from it in terms of what maybe somebody viewing that doesn't know anything about golf or doesn't know much about golf would take away from it is, is just 
how special these two guys have been to golf, you know, since they were really, really young. You know, I, I think about LeBron. I've talked about LeBron James on this podcast a lot. And no matter if you love LeBron or, or hate LeBron, I think the respect level for LeBron and what he's done with his career, considering the expectations put on his shoulders, you know, when he was in high school and he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated and his games, his high school were being broadcast on ESPN and ESPN2. And then to live up to that expectation and surpass it. And you look at these two guys and they showed such good imagery of them competing in college and in junior golf and them talking about being the number one and two ranked junior golfers in the world. There are random instances of players finding games late, you know, late being their 18, 19, 20, and then they learn how to play and they go out there and really can play and they can win professional golf events. But to me, the exceptional athletes are normally exceptional from basically birth. And these are two exceptional athletes. The reason Netflix started this series with Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas is because these are two American golfers that are the face of the PGA tour right now, alongside of Rory McIlroy and, you know, a few other names you could throw out there, John Rahm, you know, these are the two guys that have been the face the last five years and will be a big part of the face over the next five years. And the reason they are the face is because they've been the face of their generation of golf since they were kids. And I just felt like it was cool to see that, you know, progress through and play through the episode. It's not just about what happened last year, but reminding people that what happened last year is because what happened when they were, you know, 15. Yeah. And I feel like I just keep smiling talking about it because you and I have dedicated our, I mean, you know, we're still young, but our lives to this sport. I love the game of golf. I love watching it. I love the storylines. And I'm so excited that other people are going to get to experience it because I feel like it's, I don't want to say like an honor or privilege, but it's an awesome thing to be able to know about and be excited about. And I just can't wait for people who, you know, maybe are just scrolling Netflix and say, oh, this is new to kind of get into, oh my gosh, this JT and Jordan thing is pretty awesome. And there's a lot or where it came from too, like you said, of growing up together and even other players. So it's going to be good. So uh, a couple things, if, if you're listening to this episode and you are not a big golfer, you watch the episode, you're into it um, with the help of our friends from scratch. So thank you guys at scratch for this. I just wanted to sprinkle this in at the end, just a couple of golf shots that you can go back and watch, go back to the 2015 open championship with Jordan Spieth and watch the putt he made on the 16th hole. I've talked a lot about that over the course of my professional career as one of the great shots that I'll forever remember. He didn't even go on to win that tournament, but he had a great chance to really make incredible history by doing so. That putt he made at the 15 open is a microcosm of what Jordan Spieth has been in professional golf. Go back to the John Deere bunker hole out when he won his first professional golf tournament. There's always been magic in Jordan Spieth's hands. And then for Justin Thomas, because JT's a guy that has routinely considered the best ball striker and shot shaper in all of professional golf. Good reason being that A, he's really talented. B, he's very good friends with Tiger Woods, who's like the best <laughs> of all time at that. Um, go watch the tee shot when he won the Players' Championship. What was that, 2021? That's right, yep. right? 2021. Yep. So 2021, go watch his tee shot on the 18th hole. Uh, he hits this crazy hooking three wood down the left side of the fairway. Uh, mere mortals would never take that line. I don't think JT even wanted to take that line, but it gives you a, a good idea of what these guys are great at. And so hopefully by watching that, if you haven't seen much about them or you don't know much about their abilities outside of what you saw on the episode today, hopefully that can just give you a little taste of what they're all about and what they're able to do when they're in the heat of the battle and they're doing the things that they're great at. So uh, just a couple things to check out if you can. Claire, I appreciate this. This is a lot of fun. Frenemies, episode one down. 
uh, multiple episodes to come. So come back to this feed and you can check out uh, our next episode. We'll be doing this for every single one of them from the Full Swing series on Netflix. This was Full Swing tonight with Get a Grip and Scratch. I'm Shane Bacon. That is Claire Rogers. Make sure you check out all of Claire's work at golf.com. She's very funny. She's very entertaining. She's very smart and she writes great. So check out all of Claire's uh, pros there and uh, always worth your time. Thanks, Claire. Thank you.